0: The two famous books at the time were Dale Carnegie's and Napoleon Hill's and they both have this exact, yeah, yeah. (laughs) They both speak of this, like their, their energy is very similar. And like, I go back to his books a lot. I, I'm not critical of him, but I also feel like it's a very kind of like 20th century. Your job is your life kind of spirituality
1: you kind of want your transmitter operating at the highest vibration possible. <laughs> and yeah. if you're only focused down that one path, you may not be at the highest level possible. So you you need relationships. You need family. You need a spiritual connection. You need fun. You need laughter. I mean, laughter is way at a higher vibration than... Let's you know back to the old grindstone.
0: Happy numbers, happy times. My name is Andrew Gabalich, numerologist and founder of Teledivity, the world's most loved numerology platform, numerology mobile application, numerology pocket life coach. You are listening to the Calculating Route Show, where all I do, all we care about, is performing live numerology readings and having unstructured conversations with some of our platform's most interesting thinkers and thought leaders, incredible people from around the world who have something. to to say something to teach us a unique perspective about the times we're going through the changes we're navigating as a planet the ways we can use them as opportunities the things we need to do to reconnect our purpose in this grander story and finding joy hiding beneath the chaos we don't do interviews in this show we just dive into our guests numerology charts and then we just let serendipity take the conversation where it must if you've been on our platform for a while you know one thing all we really care about is letting the universe take the wheel and surprises happy accidents so that's exactly what this show is all about i have no prepared questions our guests have no prepared pitches. They're not here to sell anything. They're here to talk about life and share with me everything they know about the future and every perspective we've been missing. If you're here with us today, well then you know what? Maybe the universe wants you to be a part of the serendipity too. Maybe there's something hiding inside our conversation just for you. I'm Andrew Gabalich and this is Calculating Route. I think I want to start just by uh by sharing the story of how you found Teledipity. Because I know you, like when we first spoke, you said, you don't remember how you found it, you've just been on it for a while. And then I looked up the date and you were in like the first two or 3,000 users. And I know that when I first launched the site, Google gave me like $300 in ad credits. So I just made an ad targeting Mm -hmm. people Googling numerology on Google. And like, you'd see Teledipity on like, as the first result because I was paying for it, but, but it was just like, so I think I got like 200 people from that ad and over the years, whether it's somebody buying a reading or me connecting with a user for some of the reason I've found that that batch of like two or 300 people stayed like most of those those people that the ad found just kind of like stayed with, with, uh, with teledipity from the beginning. And I, I think it's like, I like, I find that incredible because that was a time where numerology was not a thing. It was a niche, okay. a few people, I think it still is, but I think because of the the kind of like new wave in astrology, more people know about it um, than they did before. But b- back when the launch, the site was launched in 2015, it was just kind of like a secret or very few people knew it. And the fact that you were already searching for numerology content and that you had been connected with numerology for, for decades and decades is fascinating to me. Where, like, yeah. when did you discover it for the first time?
1: Um, when I was a kid, uh, what, one of the things that we did that was really awesome for me was mm-hmm. we had a membership in the Philadelphia public library and you were allowed to take out 12 books every week. And my mom would always take us to the library every week. I took out 12. And (laughs) I read my way through everything, not just the kids section, everything. One of the books was a book on numerology. It was a very old text, Um, Mm -hmm. probably one of the first English language books on numerology. And I worked my way through it and I was very impressed with what I learned about myself and, and life. So I, I, that's really weird when that interest started, and I would say I was under 13 years old. The books I got out of the library right around the 12, 13 point seemed to have had the most <coughs> significant impact on my life. One of the reasons um, I have been such a long-term subscriber is that uh, early on as the internet was getting going, I was checking into what was going on with numerology because it evidently seemed to me as though the calculations or a lot of the basic ones should be something that technology could handle. Um, I, I found your website to be the most consistent with some of the older works on numerology that I had read. So, I'm just, I'm I'm bringing us forward to, to more current times.
0: You're probably very um, familiar with your numerology chart, but the way you describe your childhood is very interesting to me because of what your first life cycle is. It's a double seven life cycle. That tells me that there was a lot of reading and a lot of books and that your childhood adolescence I wouldn't say like because of the double sevens that that it was lonely, but that there was a lot of alone time that you sought for yourself and that 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 was very pleasurable to you. So these images of you being at the library, like just devouring books is so connected to the double seven. It's it's like it was important in your life story for you to be absorbing knowledge at a young age as much as possible. And you just happen to be born into a family and in a place in the world where that was available to you. Your parents taught you where to find it. You, you, uh, you, you felt that intuition of, I want to be at the library. I want to be reading. I want to be learning. And from the double seven is just all this a long time, kind of like developing your knowledge and your mind also a lot of presence of spirituality and spiritual Mm -hmm. questioning and spiritual seeking, which I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but the way I kind of understand the history of numerology and astrology is that the early 60s, which is when you were referring to when you were 12 or 13 was not a time where those topics were 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 popular at all. I think the, the the big wave before the one we're currently in was mostly the 70s. So probably like after 1968 with, uh, I don't want to like, I don't know how else to call it but the hippie movement and uh, how like the, the, the 70s a time of uh, inflation and unrest and a lot of similarities with what we're going through now. Uh, numerology and astrology become very popular and before that it was the 20s. Right. So you're, you're kind of like discovering it at a time where it's almost stigmatized or just not not known to the majority of the population. Is that correct to say?
1: That that's very accurate. Um, I didn't talk a lot about my interest in the I Ching or numerology or or whatever else uh, because it was considered way too out there and. I mean, like all of us humans, I want to be liked and I don't want to be thought of as overly weird.
0: So, <laughs>
1: so it wasn't something that I was going to talk to in that environment, particularly mm-hmm. since, here, here's the interesting factoid about it. Mm-hmm. I was in a science and engineering honors program. So the fact that I talked a professor into teaching this course will tell you how heavily motivated I was mm-hmm. to learn more about the topic. <laughs>
0: What, like, what was it in your family that kind of like inspired this in you? Because it it was just, it was just, uh, I I think the word I'm looking for in Spanish is contra corrientes against stream, just your entire, your entire childhood and uh, just how you were positioned for, for the later stages in your life, uh, especially when it comes to this double seven early cycle.
1: That's a, that's a good question. There's a a lot of tragedy in some of my family history. Mm -hmm. Um, My grandfather, my maternal, my mother's father, was uh, murdered. Um, He was a civil engineer building infrastructure outside of the U.S. and someone killed him to steal the company payroll. My grandmother was in that country with him um, and at the time my mom was three years old in the country um, and along with my aunt who was probably about one, and my grandmother was pregnant with yet another. So here we are, the only woman who spoke English with a population that didn't, um, under difficult circumstances. They made it back to to the U.S. and lived with uh, my mother's grandfather, my great-grandfather. And during the Depression, which came not long after that, uh, my mom actually had to quit school to support the family so um she did but she was very mo- motivated to better herself and actually uh i was surprised to find out that she got a uh, mba from a very prestigious um business school uh we only the, my siblings and i only learned this after she had passed away and they put she never them, mentioned it and she never mentioned it wow. which will say something about how humble she was she um married my father. Unfortunately, my dad passed away because he was a bit older than my mom uh, when I was seven. And my poor mom had five kids from 10 down to nine months old. And I will tell you, I mean, her, for, for her, working using any degree was not a huge option, having five kids around. Um, but she really pushed us to be as, as women because the oldest four were girls. Mm-hmm. to be able to take care of ourselves economically. We would, under any circumstance, get a good education. We would have a career. She didn't really especially care what we chose to do. She wanted us to be happy, but it was a non-negotiable option that we do that. So that that drove, drove me.
0: And it's so perfect for just setting up the... Um, what your life mission is all about because your life mission is 191 independence autonomy self-sufficiency and leadership yep. um, and uh, you i mean you have you, you were uh, you were born in a time where this wasn't common the the concept of a, of of a female entrepreneur but you were born with a CEO's numerology charts and of course, like a numerology chart isn't destiny, it's potential. It is what's available to you, what like what your story is supposed to be if you align with it and you did. And I think, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure how this stuff works at a metaphysical level. How is it that, that we just end up with the, the parents we need for the life story we're supposed to have and the mission we, we came to follow in this lifetime but whether it's our choice like we picked the parents or it's just there's some other force behind it you you were born with the perfect mother uh to to inspire you to go against the current against the stream and i think that's amazing i in your chart i think the first the first line that i see where you kind of like advance from this double seven vibration into kind of like a preparation period not necessarily where your like where your life mission takes place but kind of like your youth is co- uh, concluded you've learned all you could in terms of like maybe not skills but preparing your mind preparing your vision of the world preparing your 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 perspective into actually kind of like finding yourself your self confidence and your identity to, to be this this uh, leader, CEO, person, is the period between 1974 and 1982. Uh, so from age 27 to age 35. What, what was going on then?
1: It, it, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Let me first say that um, my life has cycles that last about seven years long. Mm-hmm. And um, the year I was 27, my first husband and I separated that was a big shift in my life because i had been uh even though i was advancing in a career i had been a very good and dutiful wife and one of the things that i did naively was i very loyally kept my income 500 dollars a year less than his and one thing that shifted after we separated within six months i doubled my income um so which says something about um you know, how I had been what holding was myself back. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Right. And one of the things that I said to myself during that period of time is, gosh, if I had had a wife who was as supportive as me, what could I have done in the world? And so I decided I would give myself seven years to find out. And um, I, I shifted myself dramatically over that course of time. I advanced my... Um, Income, I shifted from uh, what would be called a staff position to a line position so that I could broaden my experience. I moved from one state to another, uh, started moving into vice presidential roles, and then ultimately in 85, I started my first business.
0: This doesn't surprise me because in your personality chart, there's two eights, one in the personality position, another in the expression position. that's that tells me that you came into this lifetime with just business creativity and money-making ability that you like it's it's not just in like coming up with with business ideas but in a business setting where it's all about systems and uh decision making and risk taking and balancing risk taking with with kind of like uh protecting what you have and kind of like connecting those threads very delicately this is a time to take risks this is a time to to play defense, offense, defense, offense. Those are instincts that you came into this life with that were pre-developed. No, no, you didn't have to learn it. Uh, I'm not. Your your education was was engineering, so like you didn't have to take an MBA to develop business skills. These are just part of your identity. However, I have to ask because I'm very curious. We like we all know that that this was a time where. Um, a woman's business instinct in the business world would have mostly been doubted or questioned or ignored. And that wasn't the case for you.
1: No, I'm you're, you're touching on some really interesting comment, things that I can comment on. One, one is that in my first that the job where I was holding myself back, I consciously chose to do something that was very analytical, very quantitative
0: mm-hmm.
1: thinking that we could argue about whether or not two plus two equals four, but basically we'd end up on four. My nature is more to take the analytical and quantitative and be highly creative with it. And I just tamp down that creative part entirely. And there were occasional times in those early years when uh, I had a um, male uh, superior be going down a bad path, and I'd explain it. And if I got dismissed, I had to bite my tongue and not make a deal about it. Um, that was then. <laughs> As I moved on, at the point where I doubled my income, I played the game a little differently. And this is something that I would recommend anyone who feels they're undervalued in a workplace consider doing. I I had four peers; the other three were male and along the way because we chit-chatted with each other i learned even though we weren't supposed to i learned that they were all making significantly more money than me did i run to management and say "Eh, eh, eh, illegal no i figured a longer course was for me to do something so spectacular that they would want to pay me more and then when we're talking about the something spectacular i'd say so you like those kind of results from me? Want to see more? More money.
0: <laughs> and you
1: and I you was negotiated negotiate. like that? Yeah. Wow. And to your point about um, my st- being strategic, I will just say the CEO of one very large corporation once said to me, there were times when I saw you doing something and you looked like you were going to jump off the cliff to your sudden death. And then I'd watch and I'd get you totally knew what you were doing. It was wired. So it is having your plan A, your plan B, your plan C, your plan D and having dazzling results. And sadly, yeah, if you're being undervalued in the marketplace, sometimes you have to be way more dazzling than anybody else.
0: That wasn't the, the, the normal, predictable, expected instinct of most people, <laughs> most women at that time it isn't even today. And I wouldn't include men in that most people are uncomfortable negotiating salaries, uncomfortable talking about it. And they, they kind of like stay in what's given and their choices to stick with it or to leave and find something else. It's not like most of us wouldn't be like, I'm going to turn this into what I want here. Um, when they feel like that. And I like, I mean, I don't face, like 10, a 10th of the, uh, of the, um, of the issues women face in the workplace, either back then or, or now, but I've felt invisible undervalued in the workplace a million times. And my solution was always to just go and eventually start my business. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do what you did. So it's not normal.
1: I, I think it's a common of two things. I, uh, In that period of time when I ran across numerology for the first time, another book that dramatically affected me was Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. And I had my first job at 14, so I read it somewhere shortly before 14, and I yes. remember my boss was upset at me about something, and I used some of the techniques in the book and it worked like a charm. And I, I thought, already resonated with it, but yeah. I was sold. Um, and that's one thing I need to say about what I was doing in terms of uh, negotiating things for myself. If you go at it stridently and demandingly and without a touch of humor and a smile, uh, it's probably not going to work. Um, you know, it, it really has to be done with a touch of... Um, pleasantness Hmm. but you still have to get the point across
0: i thought i recognized those techniques from the books of the era because the two famous books at the time were dale carnegie's and napoleon hill's and they both have this exact yeah yeah (laughs) they both speak of this like their their energy is very similar and i think that was my first napoleon hill was my first entry into just this mindset. He gave me my confidence, no question Mm -hmm. about it. And I like, I go back to his books a lot. I, I'm not critical of him, but I also feel like it's a very kind of like 20th century. Your job is your life kind of spirituality where I don't feel like that anymore. And there's a lot of it. Like, I feel like you could like, you could take these approaches and just, like think about how they apply to your social life, to your romantic life, to to right. resting, to developing an identity outside of your career where this is very career focused. Um, and I don't like that part about it. I also, from from these authors, there's this kind of like this energy about like, visualize the exact same thing that you want and give yourself a deadline and then become obsessed with it, obsessed with, obsessed with it. I used to like, I followed those instructions for a while and over time I've learned that that can also block like your progress, becoming obsessed with the one objective, giving yourself a deadline and just being like singularly focused on your professional role. um, Sometimes that pushes the, the dream away. Um, so I like, I don't know how I feel about like those authors were kind of like catalysts in my own personal story, but I've Mm -hmm. started to feel differently about them. What do you think of of that?
1: I, I, am going to agree with you. I think the, the, I, I, I followed Napoleon Hill's recipe strongly and decided it wasn't exactly for me, but where I found it particularly useful was in, in the, um, the transmitter concept that he talks about Mm -hmm. and the ability to attune myself to various, um, messages the universe was sending me. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, and And that's, that's the, that's the foundation of what people call, um, masterminds today. He came, he came up with that word and he uses the transmitter to explain what, what goes on with that. That's where all of that knowledge comes from.
1: And I think, I think what he doesn't, get at, which is part of what you're talking about in terms of it being so focused on the work sector. You kind of want your transmitter operating at the highest vibration possible. (laughs) And if you're only focused down that one path, you may not be at the highest level possible. So you, you need relationships. You need family, you need a spiritual connection. You need fun. You need laughter. I mean, mm-hmm. laughter is way at a higher vibration than let's, you know, back to the old grindstone. Right? <laughs> so, um, I, I, I mean, I think, I think he was on the right track, yeah. but I don't think he, he has the full story. A hundred percent.
0: So tell me about how you quit and started your first business. So you, you mentioned 1985 right. and what I see in your chart, is around those dates is so this transition out of that kind of like VP corporate chart of, uh, chapter of your life. It begins, it begins middle of 1980 with two very professionally unhappy years where it stopped being fun, it stopped working, and there would have been some power struggles, some professional conflict, and some an increased sense of being invisible in the workplace at a higher like at a, at a, like like the volume of everything you didn't like really started going up. So we're talking age 33, 34, 1980, 1981, first half of 1982. And you don't <laughs> launch your business until 1985, but I think that's that's the seed that pushes you away from that life Yeah um, Is that accurate?
1: It- So accurate. Uh, The (laughs) 18-month period from from 1980 to 18 months later, I worked for a company that has a very good name. There were many things about working with the company. I stayed as long as I felt I had to to have my resume look good. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you, I pretty early on was sure not the company for me. I learned more about how not to manage people than how to manage them. Uh, it was a work environment that um, created an awful lot of very, very, very unhappy people. I actually was treated fairly well there, so mm-hmm. I, I can't personally complain. Mm-hmm. But my I, I was I was more worried about the whole vibration of of the environment and the damage being done to people's lives. And I think one of the things that I learned that worked well for me as I moved further into business was seeing how if people had a miserable work day or were treated miserably how that had a cascade effect because they take it home oh yeah oh yeah and then that those people take it out and it, it spreads out in other words it's it's not a good thing uh-uh. and i It it was good for me to see that because I don't think I would have naturally gone down that route, but it was good to know to avoid it and keep an eye on myself so that I didn't create that environment.
0: I've just always found it funny that we think of the workplace as a place where it's not about anything emotional or spiritual, where in fact, I mean, outside of the family home, it's, it's where it's the most present.
1: you spend a more time there and i'll make a comment that one of the things that i did at at various points in my life really not even as a business but from people that knew me well and and thought i hired well um my my recently deceased husband as a good example he he had a hard time hiring employees that ended up working out well to work directly with him i mean he had 250 employees so it wasn't it wasn't all of them it was the direct reports And he rapidly figured out I was pretty good at it, and then he talked to some of his friends, so they had me hire direct reports. Um, And here is advice I'll give to either side, whether you're looking for a job and want to be happy at work, or if you're looking for people and want them to work perfectly for you. Know something about your family history. Are you someone who hated your dad? Or did you highly respect male authority figures or female authority figures? If you have issues with strong women, don't work for a strong women, save both of you a whole lot of pain.
0: This difficult vibration shifts in your life. 1982, mid-1982, which is still a few years before you start your business. But 80, so 82, 83, 84, 85, we have this very beautiful six personal essence, which in a professional setting means quick ascension, quick recognition, quick expansion, kind of like a fertile time for implementing ideas, being seen, being recognized and advancing pretty fast in what like in the career sector of your chart on a family setting is just a really happy family time. Um, people will normally either have kids, or their their role as mothers or fathers become very prominent during these, uh, during these cycles. Friendship is also very abundant, and it's just a very loving, stable, very uh, kind of like the the uh, the spring in your life, and it begins years before you start your business. But I think it's from this more abundant energy that you feel ready to start go off on your own.
1: I would say it was not golden years in terms of it having be life exactly the way I want it, but it was a very good time for me. And another thing that happened that was really important for me, and I started this in, well, it it would be right at the end of that period, 84, late 84. um, I learned about the personal growth movement and I had already done various, I mean, I was searching out spiritual things. I did the Silva mind control back in that period of time, the period of time we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd gotten very involved in fitness, but then a lot of people were involved in fitness. My version of fitness was not so much hanging out in aerobic studios, which was what <laughs> a lot of people were doing, yeah. but I, I was doing other things. I was running and playing racquetball and weight training, which again, women, when I started weight training, there weren't a lot of women doing that. When I started running, they hadn't even invented running shoes. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> uh, the, the courses or the website that you're focused on right now, I know it's about like, th- there's a big component of it that is about moving into retirement on the financial side of things, but is it also about like the biological, um, taking care of your body side of things too?
1: It's actually much more on that side. Oh, uh, I
0: okay, okay. Really,
1: yeah, no, it, I'm, I'm not gonna pretend to be a financial planner actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, although, you know, obviously in my background, there's that numeric side of things, but no, I'm, I'm more concerned about having people age smart and age happily. And so that means there's a whole mind-body issue that's involved in that, which uh, is both focusing on what you could call the spiritual side of things, but if you have an aversion to that term, then we'll call it the mental side, whatever whatever works for you. Um, and then also working on helping your body be as young as possible. Like one of the things, um, that, and we make it accessible, what an example is is I I don't tell you to go beat yourself up in the gym I actually used to work out way more in gyms than I do today uh, and I'm as fitter fitter than I was back at that time and there's little things you can do in even as small as three minute bites that will both help reverse the clock on aging and also have you be fitter so why not go for the double whammy and there's other things we we. Um, can help you determine for yourself because it's always very personal to help your mom be a better place. Pardon?
0: It's for any age. Like this advice worked for me too.
1: That's it. In fact, some of the courses we have, one of, one of the ones we have is, is, um, vibrant vitality, which is perfect for anybody. Um, and, and other ones for people who aren't yet at retirement who are either Feel starting to feel their age, their body may be aching a little if they're out on the tennis court or playing golf, uh, and they just don't have the energy sustained throughout the day. Um, and they're aware of retirement may be down there a decade or so. So it's like, how do I sustain myself so that I, you know, at the top of my game until I decide that it's time for me to retire? Well, so- and, and actually going back to my youth, um, mm-hmm. Part of how I got committed to this whole topic is I had the luck to work in the library of a large pharmaceutical company. Mm-hmm. My job was supposed to be putting books back on the shelf, um, but no one and you read them. Reading again.
0: them, yeah. And I'm reading them. So I
1: read them. <laughs> I figured I'll learn stuff to help me through life. And one of yeah. my biggest conclusions was that if I wanted this brain that I liked so much keep functioning into old age, I darn well, you know, most girls in the 60s were pretty much couch potatoes. Mm -hmm. The idea of girls doing anything fit or playing girls sports or any of that was to come later. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I wasn't physically active. I I had, you know, probably the one thing most girls my age did was either be a um, cheerleader or a majorette. And I was a major at um, but I I really wasn't very 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 active, and uh, that summer, uh, that's when I started running. Uh, it's when I started playing around with weightlifting, um, not because I wanted to be bodybuilder. I it's not the look I want for myself. It had mm-hmm. a lot more to do about me aging well, which kind of weird for someone who's 18 years old to <laughs> be thinking that far ahead but hey not yeah
0: not for somebody with your personality and I think I think this uh many people with very highly tuned spiritual leanings eventually end up in this question of of extending life uh, it's very commonplace to end up I like I don't feel that curious about that topic um I don't like I mean I've definitely become healthier over the years than i used to be i used to smoke a pack a day that was 10 years ago but like yeah i don't know like i don't feel like like that that topic is calling me yet but i know there's a lot of people in my spaces who swear by this like uh, extending life and um making it go into whatever so yeah mm-hmm. yeah
1: well I, I will comment personally i'm not afraid of death but i'm not yeah. seeking it out tomorrow <laughs> um, I, I kind of feel like I yeah. um, have a lot to give still, and that I want to, I want, I want to share that with people because yeah. I've learned a lot with all that reading.
0: <laughs> and that, no matter how spiritual you are, I think it can only be scary in the beginning, and then you learn how to use that fear for enhancing your life, for making it as best as it can be. So,
1: and also conduct your life so that whenever the end comes, you don't have any regrets.
0: I wanna close with, so let me just pull another section of your your chart because I'm looking at the early years right now. I'm gonna start at age 50 and see if I can pick out one more interesting thing about your past. Um, Because I think, I, I don't know, anybody who's listening Wouldn't know that Diana started many businesses, sold many businesses. And we kind of like, we kind of only skimmed through your, uh, through your story as an entrepreneur. So I, I want to look at 2010 through 2018. This is another nine year cycle, a very pronounced one. It's kind of like, so, from age 60 to 63, this is 07, 08, 09, 10. So like the, the great recession, basically. It was a very restrictive period for you. There was like, you were working really hard around the clock. Um, your time was very much spoken for and there was something you were building. Um, then that, all of those, all those seeds planted kind of bloom in 2011, 2012 um very spectacularly opening up kind of like a new different period of freedom first and then a leadership role for you 69 70 71 72 which is just basically 2016 through right at the beginning of the pandemic
1: what is that well i wouldn't have exactly framed it the way that you you (laughs) framed it It, 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 you nailed the time frame um Immediately prior to that, I was working very hard. I was coaching a group of CEOs. I was working with individuals. I was teaching graduate school. I was working on that master's in art. So I I was a very busy person. (laughs) Um, In some ways, the period of time that you're asking about was a very sad time of life. But, But I will say, even as I started getting grip on what was going to be coming down the road through that period of time i said to myself life has a lesson in this for me and i darn well better learn it because i don't want to do this lesson again was it personal in hindsight it was personal it was in inside me and i'll I'll talk about it in just a moment um i i will say at the end of it this is now three years past that or so i'm an infinitely better human being than I was before and I'm very grateful for going through that lesson but at the time it wasn't it wasn't delightful <laughs> what happened was that um, I I by the time my my husband passed away in just past 2018 he, he died in early 2019 um, I I had um, I was his caregiver for 10 years, from 2010 on.
0: That's where all that work is
1: coming from? Yes. Yeah, he, um, we were on a trip to Europe. We were celebrating a friend who lives in Europe's birthday. Mm -hmm. And on the trip, he was not feeling well. On the flight home, he had a heart attack and things cascaded down. And um, I, had to have a chat with myself and make one of those choices on, and i'll be really honest i said to myself can i handle this or should i exit early on and let him make other plans because as it became aware it wasn't just hard he did have heart attack he had stents he also had parkinson's he had kidney failure he had uh, congestive heart failure he had many many physical issues and as they kept coming each one was a little bit like a body blow because I felt like I could manage the one and then there's the next one and then there's the next one. Now how he's feeling, even bigger body blows, literally. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, it was good for me to um, step aside from the business sense because I had to wind down a lot of my business connections, actually all of them ultimately. Yeah, it was a time actually of me getting to turn inward again. And this time I did have the internet, (laughs) which was a good thing. Um, Because uh, while there weren't lots of breaks where I had time for myself, there were enough of them, but it expanded my compassion. Uh, It expanded um, a lot of really important sides of me internally in ways that had not been tested or exercised in my life.
0: Clearly I was making the Napoleon Hill mistake because I saw work then kind of like financial windfall, then expansion. And that was more emotional, spiritual expansion and not really a professional time in your life.
1: Right. It was, it was not the most professional time in my life, but it was a huge, Um, a seismic shift in my life and I think all for the good. I I honestly think that um, in starting high quality aging in the Age Smart program it was motivated by my reaction to COVID and seeing what was going on with the population and I don't know that this particular program would have necessarily come to me if I had not gone through those 10 years previously.
0: It's the experiences that inspire what you're doing now, your new purpose.
1: Exactly, yeah. Plus, plus the learning. And I had opportunity to practice some of it on on myself because I had to keep me in good mental shape to do the best job as a caregiver for the person I was caregiving for. And um, even afterwards to help me lose weight because the last two months of his life it was so intense, I gained weight. And stress will do that to you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's okay. So. Yeah. 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 Diana. Yes. I just want to end by saying. I mentioned this to you before. When we were doing a reading many months ago. But I want to say it again. Um, I don't know if you remember it. But the reason I became the the spiritual being that I am was my grandmother who was very into astrology and numerology, exactly, well, uh, a little, a little older than you, but not by a lot. Um, also at a time where it wasn't really known to many people, had the exact same, very similar numerology chart to you. Those eights, they're, they're the same. I feel her energy with you. And I see you as what the person she would have been if she had been able to tap into those business skills and follow her dreams. Her story was different. It was Mexico in the 50s. I mean, that's not very different from the US in the 50s, um, but um, she she couldn't tap into her potential the way you did. And I see you as kind of like um, the kind of life she's going to have in her next life. And that's why I, like, I have a very soft spot in my heart for you, your story, and your achievements, and I can't wait to, to watch your, um, your class on, on aging smartly. And I am very grateful to have met you because, um, because of that, and also because you're an awesome person and, um, it's been amazing to get to know you. So,
1: well, thank you. Thank you. That's very nice words, Andrew. And it's been amazing to get to know you and talk with you too.
0: Thank you. Thank you.